This episode is a World War One episode, but it's also a very rambly episode. So if y'all don't like listening to people having conversations, mm, this is probably not the episode for you. But I highly recommend sticking around because we talk about a lot of different things, including obviously the World War. But I have a feeling you're going to learn a lot of really awesome tidbits if you stick around. All right, love you guys. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, technical difficulties beyond our control are delaying our presentation. And now good morning to everyone in my night audience. Dave operates on a frequency of 1,460. I've got my water on my guns, germs, and steel. I am joining you from my bed. At ten forty-five p.m. I like to point out. On I like to point out you Wednesday. never talk like this when we're not recording. You only ever no, talk like that when we're recording. I it's know. It's preposterous. I will stop. It's okay. You, it's your stick. It's your thing. I will stop. I will stop. So what are we uh, talking about today? We are talking about um, the First World War. Okay. And the Second World War. That's a lot of war. And I have. It is a lot of war. And. We'll see how long it takes us to do the two wars. I am not convinced that it will take us four hours, <laughs> but we'll see. It depends how many questions I have to you ask you, sir. Yeah. How many questions I can muster precisely. Alrighty. So how do we even start this? Like, how do we go ahead and... What, how much do you know? Like, let's start with that. How about you talk? Okay. You start. How much do you know? Actually, let's do it individually. How much do you know about World War One? Okay, so World War One. Um, I think my greatest knowledge that comes from World War One is after watching War Horse. <laughs> okay. Um, but otherwise, I know that the First World War started because of the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Ferdinand. Did you write his name was Franz Ferdinand, yeah, right? Franz Ferdinand. Okay. Do you have that written down, mm-hmm. or you just remember? No, I remember it. Oh, do you remember who shot him? You know, wait, wait, no. Do you know why I remember this? Why? (laughs) This is going to sound really, like, anti-historical, but (laughs) in, oh my god, it was in a John Green book. Oh god. It was either in The Fault in Our Stars or, like, or in Finding Alaska. Oh my god, that's probably not the name of the book. Anyways, something about Alaska. Anyways... It was in one of John Green's books, I mean, he was, he's a history and um, it just guy, stuck so. into my mind. Yeah, he's a history guy. No, his isn't his brother a history guy? No, it's John Green. Uh, Hank Green. Hank Green's the scientist. No, yeah, Hank Green's the scientist. John Green is the historian. Well, there you go. So John Green is also a teen novel author, <laughs> and one of his books, he wrote something about Franz Ferdinand, and from that day on, I kind of just remembered it because I was like, oh, that's how the First World War started. But who shot him? So yeah. Uh, I have no idea. Gabrielle Princip. Who is Gabrielle Princip? How old was he at the time? I think nineteen. I I don't exactly remember his age, but he belongs to a terrorist Serbian group called the Black Hand, and okay, they wanted to kill him. Wait, so okay, Franz Ferdinand. Where is he from? Aust- is he Austrian? Austria-Hungary. There we go. Okay, so Austria-Hungarian and a Serbian. 19-year-old. Oh, nationalist. Okay, so historical context behind this. Why would a 19-year-old Serbian nationalist want to shoot the Archduke of Austria-Hungary? Well, where is Austria? Well, right above Serbia? No. 
oh shit, my geography is absolutely <laughs> terrible. <laughs> what on earth? Anyways, Austria is, well, it's in, it's next to Switzerland, yes, no? It's, it's to border, the right of Switzerland. Switzerland, Italy, and Germany, right? Right. Well, Serbia mm-hmm. nearly borders Greece, you know? So the mm-hmm. empire stretched from there all the way down there, taking up Czechoslovakia and modern-day Yugoslavia and Austria-Hungary. Yeah, and Hungary. Okay. Think of how many nationalities are within that. You know, it, mm-hmm. the empire itself was a mess, and people, just, they hated it because it was a very, very German-centrist kind of... Okay. And the art... Franz Ferdinand was the heir of the, the throne to uh, okay. Franz Joseph. The first? Pretty sure that's his name. Okay. <laughs> so, kill the heir. They, they thought he was a tyrant as well, right? Mm-hmm. And They thought Franz Ferdinand I'm was I'm really a showing my ignorance here. <laughs> <laughs> so am I. This is an ignorance. I feel like this is an ignorance episode, but also not. The worst Anyways, part is yes. I learned this like last month. I went and refreshed my memory on this and it has left me. <laughs> but you know what? This isn't going to be an episode of pure knowledge. It's just a... This no, is just a this discussion. Is a dis- this is a this is a discussion, but also a learn some fun facts. Well, actually, learn the basics. Yeah, well, you learn the basics. Mm-hmm. The basics is Franz Ferdinand went down to Sarajevo, a town in right, and mm-hmm. the nationalist group called the Black Hand wanted to kill him, and there was a group of them. He like they attempted to assassinate, but they threw a car bomb. And it missed. And it's it's straight out of a Looney Tunes. They're, they were thrown about. They were throwing grenades. They missed. One of them tried to shoot. And they completely, you know, it was all, it was a complete disaster. So, mm-hmm. uh, Franz Ferdinand insisted on going to visit the injured in the hospital in his open top car after trying to get assassinated. Yeah. Big eye they, roll. They told him not okay. to do it. But he insists on doing it, and as they were driving, they made a wrong turn, right? Mm. And Gabrielle Princep was just standing there. And there's Franz... Bam! No, there's Franz Fernand right in front of him. Can you imagine being that kid? You know, and you you were one of the few to be tasked to kill him. Y'all, you screwed up. And now here he is, right in front of you. You got your gun in your pocket. Second chance. Okay, you're asking for it. Bang. Yeah. So all the stars aligned. Yeah. So So essentially, hold on. Yeah. So essentially at the time because Austria-Hungary was um well the borders of Austria-Hungary was I guess well extended down into Serbia. Well, they essentially had control over what is current day Czechoslovakia, Yugoslavia, yeah. Serbia. I'm assuming also Croatia. Um Eastern Europe? Yeah. It was all the way in down. In general? All the, Sla- yeah, all the, way all the Slavic countries, yeah, essentially? Essentially, yeah. Except for Serbia. And okay. Romania. And, and Bulgaria. What do you mean, except for well, Romania? Well, they weren't part of it. Romania, Bulgaria. It was... Everything and abo- Serbia? just above of Greece was independent. Okay. Right? There was like a border between Greece and those mm, countries. So then Croatia Austria, was probably Hungary. independent as well. No, um, Croatia okay, was part inter- of Austria-Hungary. Oh, interesting. Pretty okay. sure. So, I hope my professor's because not Serbia listening. is right behind. Wow, hold on. Let me pull up a map <laughs> because 
So we're looking at Austria-Hungary in 1912, let's say, right? Sure. 1914. Yeah, 1914. Austria-Hungary <laughs> declares war on Serbia. <laughs> Don't lead spoilers because okay. I can explain how the war no, started. No, I shan't. I shan't. I shan't. I shan't. Uh, so Austria-Hungary... Images. Okay, so basically they had um, Austria, obviously, Bohemia, which was current day Czech, Czech Republic. Yeah, Czech Republic. Czech Republic, uh, Slovakia, Gallica, which. Ooh, what was that? Ukraine. Interesting. Okay, then there's Romania. Romania was also, well, well, it was Transylvania at the time, but Romania was under Austria-Hungary as well. Fact check. Slavonia. Slavonia is Croatia. Croatia was also under control of um, Austria-Hungary. You gotta keep in mind while you're reading all this, these are all different nationalities with different languages. Precisely. And it, I, I feel like it's kind of like in Germany with Bavaria as well. Um, Bavarians and just I mean sort of. it's kind of under the same vibe sort of but they did have they did speak German while an Austrian mm-hmm. didn't speak Serbian you know okay yeah but did they all speak German in Austria well in, in Hungary Slovakia at the time no. let's say okay so it was all really different nationalities yeah. but they were all kind of influenced by Austria-Hungary yeah. and got, it was with Croatian German, soldiers the very German you got Croatian vibe. soldiers being led by a Czech general who mm-hmm. doesn't speak Croatian, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So they all kind of wanted their independence at the time, let's uh, it say. It was a disaster. The whole, the whole empire is a, is a joke. It's a complete meme. <laughs> okay. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So just a chaotic mess. Mm-hmm. And then the Serbian... But Serbia wasn't under... No, Serbia was not under... So why were they freaking out? Oh, something Thomas doesn't know. I told you, I was studying this a couple of days ago and it just left my head. We got a lot to go through why here. Was... I'm going to get something. This is literally us. Yeah. This is literally... I'm going to get some why... things wrong. I'm not, why I'm not was Serbia mad? Wait, wait. So I'm typing in Google, why was Serbia? Why was Serbia mad at Austria-Hungary? Let's see. So, literally, I feel like this episode is super awesome. Like, we're just discovering things in real time. Okay, so, Austria-Hungary's military hawks, principal culprits for the conflict, saw the assassination of the Austro-Hungarian Archduke Franz Ferdinand by a Bosnian Serb. Yep, that came after. Um, as an excuse they... to conquer and destroy Serbia. An nope. unstable neighbor nope. who sought to expand beyond its borders into Austro-Hungarian territories. That came after. That's the problem. No, apparently this is in 1867. Okay. So Serbian claims were not recognized by Hungary and was eventually placated with Austro-Hungarian Compromise of 1867, further angering Serbian nationalists. Um, so Austria annexed Serbia, basically. And Austrian fears of Slavic expansionism. Okay, so basically, from what I'm understanding, um, Bosnia-Herzegovina um, and 
Serbia, but I'm pretty sure is Bosnia or it's Yeah, so Bosnia, Herzegovina, and Serbia. They both were annexed by Austria-Hungary because they were kind of like seen as the rebel state. So they were like, nah, y'all can leave. But then Serbia and Bosnia-Herzegovina, they both wanted to expand their borders into lands that were considered Austria-Hungary. And so essentially, every time that they asked to expand their borders, um, uh, Austria-Hungary would say no. They would be like, nah, no, 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 y'all are Slavic. You could stay where you are. We don't need you. We have our German influence. Mm. No. So all this national... All the... Beautiful sentence. All this nationalist sentiment um, kind of scared Austria-Hungary. Yeah. And Austria... It, think of it... While I'm looking at this, I'm kind of thinking... And it's probably not anything alike, but I'm kind of thinking of, like, the IRA. Mm-hmm. The Irish Republican Army. Um, basically that, you know. Like, the Irish, they wanted their land, they wanted their territory, they wanted their independence, but they also wanted to expand their land into, well, Northern Ireland, let's say. They wanted to take it back. Um, And the English were like, "Mm, no, that's okay. (laughs) So the Irish kind of just revolted. And I think this kind of is the same vibe. Yeah. (laughs) If that makes sense. So... Okay. It's okay. So, yes. Here we go. We have learned something today. Indeed. It's the part of the history that's like, ugh. So. Gabriel Princep assassinates Franz Ferdinand, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know what happens next? They wage war. No, they did not. Austria sent a list of demands to Serbia, right? Mm-hmm. Saying, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going to impossible demands that's the whole point of the demands where if you do not accept this we will declare war Mm -hmm. you know that's like you punching me in the face and saying okay well you're gonna give me your house or i'm gonna burn down your house wait serbia was saying this austria was saying this to serbia okay was giving them impossible demands or we're going to invade you basically surrender okay got it surrender or we'll kill you that's basically it Mm -hmm. got it got it so Obviously, Serbia said no. So, Austria, mm-hmm. get ready for this, right? Here's You were asking me the other day, how did World War One start, right? Here's your answer. Mm-hmm. So, Austria declares war on Serbia, right? Do you know who mm-hmm. is allied with Serbia? Who is allied with Serbia? Russia. France. Oh. Russia is allied with Serbia, who declares war on Austria. And who is allied with Austria? Germany. Germany. Who, yeah. Who declares war on Russia. But who is allied with Russia? France. So Germany declares war on France quickly. Before. Because they knew where they were going to declare war. Right, exactly. So Britain did not join the war at this time, right? So the plan Mm -hmm. was Germany was going to invade France quickly, right? While Germany... No. Germany was going to invade France quickly while Russia was stumbling around trying to get their weapons ready. Going to get mobilized army because they were a complete disaster. You know, they had a weird mm-hmm. wizard man running the country at the time. Wait, who? Rasputin. Oh, 
oh my god it's true i was like i was like wait a second who are you talking about not nicholas <laughs> by the way slight tangent yeah. and i know we're gonna do you a lot know of these, this but... wait, wait slight tangent but i know you like i know you know this but nicholas the first no nicholas the second, second. nicholas the third nicholas the second Jeez Louise. There's too many. Huh. Nicholas's, Nikolai's, what? Andre's. Two. <laughs> literally, okay, no, no, no. But like throughout Russian history, like last semester, no. Okay, Nicholas's, yes, there's two. But there's like a hundred Andre's and there's like 10,000 Konstantins mm-hmm. and like a hundred Alexander's. It's absolutely insane. Like I remember when I was doing my Russian history ca- class last semester, two semesters ago, my first semester, literally my prof was like, all right, y'all are going to have to start counting because <laughs> you have to remember what all these names are. Anyways, so Nicholas II, absolute favorite man. If I was a monarch, I would probably be him. Why? Because completely dysfunctional man. Did I tell you? Did I tell you? So I did this reading, and apparently, okay, so at the time in Russia, um, women needed to basically write a letter and send a letter to the Tsar to ask for a divorce. Mm. If they wanted to get divorced, they had to write a letter to the Tsar and send it, right? And like obviously at the time it was just a formality and like there was an assistant to the Tsar stamping letters saying yes, yes, approved, approved, that's fine. Okay, cool. Go keep on. But Nicholas II, he actually took this job like super seriously and he was like, "No, I must read every letter and thoroughly decide if this woman really deserves to have a divorce." Yeah. <laughs> And so, like, he would go into, okay, so he would go into, like, quote-unquote parliament, so he would basically go into, like, the house where all of his members of, you know, of MPs, quote-unquote, no, no, like, MPs, quote-unquote, um... And basically he would, they would all be asking him, like, Nicholas, what do we do? There's a war happening. Like, what are we supposed to, like, how are we supposed to act? What do you want us to do? Like, what, what, what are we supposed to do? And he's like... Before we get to that, I need to just discuss all of the letters of divorce that I have read throughout my day and just discuss how deeply concerned I am with the state of our marital affairs in this country. And he would literally talk about this for 45 minutes. And then every time someone would try to like interrupt him and be like, no, but Nicholas, like there are more important things that are happening right now. He'd be like, yeah, okay, we're going to shut it down and we're going to take this up tomorrow. (laughs) Like literally... He did not want to be there, and he did not know what he was doing, and he was just an absolute fucking disaster a, of a tsar. Uh, we call that, a, in the UK, we call that a busy idiot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Literally. That is that is Nicholas II. Yeah. So. Anyways, yes. So, so, Germany needs to invade France, but they decide to go through Belgium, right? Mm-hmm. So, because they started invading neutral countries... Who was allied with Belgium? Switzerland. Great Britain. Oh. What do you mean? I was like neutral mean, countries. <laughs> no, Belgium. Ignore me. Belgium is ignore a neutral me, ignore country, me. right? Belgium yes. had nothing to I do didn't with realize, this war. I didn't realize. But hold on a second. Yeah. If you're a neutral country, why would you be allied? Well, they weren't allied with anybody who was in the war, is what I mean. Oh, got it, got yeah. it, got it. Okay, yes. So they invaded a neutral country. Mm-hmm. They went around through Belgium, and Great Britain's like, "Hey, you can't do that." So they declared war. Mm-hmm. Right? Ah, okay. Also, it may have been because Germany started building a navy. Mm-hmm. Maybe that. So Britain was like, "Ooh, we're starting to get uh, <laughs> this is concerning." 
Okay, you're going to smack your head for this one. Mm, tell me. Remember Titanic? Yeah. Remember the White Star Line? Yeah. Well, a couple of years before, the White Star Line built a ship called the Teutonic, right? And okay. there was a great show going on where they were showing off their ships. And Kaiser Wilhelm visited the UK and he went on board the ship and said, Wow, this is the most marvelous ship I have ever seen. I think Germany needs to start building their own ships. So, oh my god, they basically fucked themselves over. Yeah, yeah. but but it's little things like that is why I don't like alternate history. You know, mm-hmm. like the American Civil War is what caused Great Britain to have this amazing shipping line across the ocean. Right? It's indirectly. It's a long, long story. Right? But the White Star Line came because of the American Civil War. Right. Mm-hmm. which in turn caused them to build that particular ship, which caused Germany to be inspired to build their own ships, which caused later on Great Britain to declare war on Germany because... They were building ships that looked just like yeah. those in Britain. It's so small. It's so small mm-hmm. that I hate watching alternate history. Like, what if the American Civil War never happened? Well, the First World War would be much different. The first world war probably wouldn't have. Yes, happened. exactly. Well, like, yeah, the domino effect is incredible. Mm-hmm. I hate alternate history. You know, I like. But that's the thing. Like, there's so many little things like that in history yeah. that have happened that create a domino effect because everything is interrelated, mm-hmm. and that I think that's just the nature of humanity mm-hmm. in the end. Like every single little action, you, it's a butterfly effect. Yeah, exactly. Wow. wow. So. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I hate alternate history, side tangent there. I, stu- mm-hmm. I study history as it was, not how it could have been. I'll leave mm-hmm. that to the the artists and the writers. And once again, how it was, there are so There's... many different perspectives oh, yes. on how it was. Oh, yeah. There's you so know, many like little stories. One event stories. has so many perspectives, infinite amount yeah. of perspectives. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what really is the truth? There is no real truth, yeah. you know? Like, we could be telling historical context and... Because basically that's what we're doing right now. We're just giving historical context, right? But the reality is that there are so many realities that you can never really put your finger on all of them. Mm. And, like, even if we sit and we're like, oh, you know, this is the chronological order of events that happened. It's like the chronological order of events that happened for whom? Yeah. Right? For international relations. For the simplification of how the war happened. But I think understanding the context will in turn help us understand every other little minutia that contributed to everything, basically, (laughs) to the rest of history. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot of little things. Like, just an example, Mm -hmm. I was talking to someone about this the other day, is what what was one of the first countries to use gas during the First World War? Not the first. One of the first. Who? Canada. You wouldn't think Canada would use poison gas, would you? No. No. But also, Canada... Canada has its history as well. I'm not surprised. Canada is a weird anomaly. Like... It is a weird anomaly. Do you know who Mackenzie King is, right? Of course I know who Mackenzie King is. Did you know he was a Nazi? Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Mackenzie, yeah. I'm really not surprised. But Mackenzie King was a weird man. He was a very weird like, man. 
Very for those who bizarre. don't know, Mackenzie King was our prime minister during the war. He was he was our FDR essentially. Mm-hmm. It's very very bizarre, man. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> he, I remember I remember reading something where he would go outside and look at the clouds and determine how he was going to do that day by the cloud pattern. He was a very superstitious oh, yeah. man. He he also had books and books and books of his own poetry. Yeah. <laughs> Like, he sat and he just wrote poetry. But, like, if you read his poetry, you're just like, what on earth was going on in this man's head? You know, he met, Jeez, he met Hitler, right? Once again, not surprised, the, but Not only did on. he meet Hitler, he said it was one of the greatest moments of his life. Mmm, fabulous. But, it, he, but see, he that's the thing. I think, yeah, I think another thing that we forget often is that, you know, Canada does a really, really good job of portraying itself as the, as, as the, as the golden child, as like, I read this thing the other day that was, well, the other day, probably like a year ago, but it's coming to my mind right now. Canada likes to think of itself as the nice old lady above a meth lab, (laughs) you know, who lives above a meth lab. And like... Little does she know. In the end, she's making a profit. Little does you know, lab. right? And she has like Nazi paraphernalia <laughs> in her backyard, in her closet. Yeah, you know, like was in the SS. Right. So, like, I think in in the end, Canada has a really dark history. Oh yeah. And you know, we often forget about these things. Like last semester, um, I did this paper on um, what at the time was called Indian hospitals. Mm-hmm. And um, Indian hospitals basically taking indigenous tuberculosis patients out of the reserve, sticking them in a hospital that is way over capacity, making them eat their own vomit, living in moldy environments, cutting out pieces of their lungs without consent. You know, it's just basically it's just it's a disaster. And like the residential school systems that, you know, the last one closed in 1999, it's 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 fucked up man like there's a lot of things that canada once again does a really good job of kind of hiding and does a really good job of sweeping under the rug and saying no we're polite we're great did you know canada used to be you know canada used to turn away jews during the war jewish refugees used to used to turn away jewish refugees yeah once again not surprised boatloads and we'd return them all down we'd we'd tell them to go away yep see like canada is not is yeah. not as sunshine and rose sunshine and roses yeah sunshine and daisies yeah. as they portray themselves to be there is a lot of shit going down and even you know i think it's coming up more and more in recent times uh you could see it a lot more it's more blatant because people are starting to speak up but yeah uh, it's yeah i think it just contradicts canada that's the problem is canada we've built this false sense of like this false mask over us and, mm-hmm. and you know, I don't. I never blame a country for its past. Even Germany, you know, I wouldn't mind living in Germany. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't like how we pretend we're all wonderful, because it's coming mm-hmm. to bite us in the ass, right? It is. It's not it our. Is. It's it not is. our history's fault. It's our modern fault for trying to hide that. You know, we had. Yeah. You know, we had internment camps, right? The Japanese mm-hmm. internment and, camps. Yeah. Most of people course. don't know that we had our own internment and, camps. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely, ins- you know, I think so, f- you know, you know this, but I'm just going to say this, but like I live in Quebec and in Quebec, 
in our his, in in our history classes in elementary school and in high school, we are not taught about resi- the residential school system. Yeah. And I only learned about the residential school system because at one point um, I saw someone wearing an orange shirt that was that literally said on the back, like orange shirt day, residential school systems, never forget. And I was like, hmm, what's that? I think I was 17 years old when I learned hmm. for the first time what a residential school system yeah. was. Well, what a, res- what a residential school was. And, um, you know... I, I'd like to say that I was completely shocked and disgusted, and I was, but also, it's like one of those things that why, why were we not told this? Why were we not taught this? And like, Canada does such a good job at just kind of like erasing that and being like, yeah, no, that never happened. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, this is gonna be such a strange episode. It really is. (laughs) What is going on here? Well, Anyways, that's fine. Okay, let's go back to World War One. Wor- it's it's World War One and Ramblings. Yeah, World War One. It's just that's us. the title of our Welcome episode. Welcome to an episode of <laughs> us. That's pretty much it. Basically, we just got through exams. Welcome to an episode. Yeah, we just got and through we're exams. Just chatting. Yeah, we're just chatting history. You know, exactly. we didn't pre- we didn't pre prepare is... anything for this. No, and you know, I kind of like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like literally, we're just we're learning as we go. Yeah. You are seeing in live. Wow. Once again, you are seeing live how disgusting my sentences are. (laughs) No, but you're seeing live how we learn, Mm. how we basically, how we discuss with each other all things historical. Mm. Anyways, okay, so yes. Um, Okay, so Franz Ferdinand gets assassinated. Everybody, okay, hold on a second. So Britain, uh, they go through Belgium, England comes in and they... Great Britain invades. They, exactly. There you go. Yeah. But the Germans, a lot of Germans, a lot of British think that, why are we aiding the French, you know? Mm-hmm. The Germans are our ancestors. Why are we fighting them? It's a very, it's it's why the war in the beginning was kind of weird, you know? Technology mm-hmm. itself as well was booming in the, it, we got all these guns, we got all these everything, and we've never used it, so let's give it a try. And it, you know of the Christmas truce, right? I do, okay. but go well, over it. 1914 is a good example of the Christmas truce. It's a great, it mostly happened between the British and the Germans, right? It wasn't one line. It was all over the place. The entire, the entire trench system. It rarely happened between the French and the Germans. For obvious reasons, you know, you're in our country invading us. I'm not associating with you. While the British are like, hey, stop. We're just here. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that game, of, that game of soccer, that was a thing that actually happened. And some people, some people met up. They shook hands for a bit and then they went back to the trenches. Some people stayed out for the whole day, the whole night. They partied the whole time. Some people tried to get out. But their officers just shot at them, and that was that. There were there were people people did die on Christmas Day. You know, it wasn't a major ceasefire across the whole line, but it did happen. There were soldiers that took a break, and they just met up with each other, and they just chilled. And in a way, if there is a top ten greatest moments in human history, I think that'd be one of them. Because everybody just disobeyed their officers and they just 
were humans for a day. They weren't Germans. They weren't British. They just human. They sang carols. They traded gifts. And they they buried their dead. Some, like the French and the Germans, some of them had, that was their piece, was let's collect our dead and not shoot each other. I don't want to talk to you, but let's just not shoot each other. So, but it only happened that once. Because the technological advancement of the war just got so brutal. They're gassing us. Our friends are dead. You know, I don't want to associate with them anymore. That's why Mm -hmm. they tried. They did try. Some soldiers tried. But it didn't work. So, it only happened that once. And it's probably never going to happen ever again in history. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. No. And I think just... You were talking about technological advances. I think one thing about the First World War that absolutely blows my mind is the tunneling. Oh, yes. That was happening. Um, And, I mean, this is just... I mean, the trauma that these tunnelers must experience. I mean, you're digging underground. At any moment in time, your tunnel could completely collapse under you. Mm. But also, at any moment in time, you could bump into an enemy who's also also tunneling towards you (laughs) and is planting a bomb to basically explode Mm. everything. Mm. Bye. It just, it's, wow, no. What they would do is they would, if they could, they would stop digging and they would listen and they could hear the Germans digging. So what they would do yeah. is they would blow up their own tunnel and make their tunnel collapse in on itself. Mm-hmm. So, and I've been in one of these tunnels. They're, they're fucked. They're crazy. But what's crazy is, well, obviously you've been in yeah. one, but what's crazy is seeing the pick marks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, these men were digging with picks. Yeah. yeah. With, like, ice picks, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what the worst job was of the war what was the worst job a runner oh no they, they, tell me what a runner is a runner is they give you a message and you got to run across the trenches or you got to run to the back of the line and you're the message mm. boy messenger boy Mm-mm. no no yeah. i do not like they that got, they got their own beds they had their own room they got their own barracks they got higher pay i think their life expectancy was two weeks oh my god yeah so they didn't That's brutal mm-hmm. jesus so yeah i saw their beds too in the tunnels when we went down in the tunnels at vimy ridge is they had their own beds the beds were still there but everybody else on top is sleeping in the bud and stuff while the messengers got to sleep next to the officer's quarters because an officer might come out and give them a message and say get going but oh also because they're most likely to die out of everybody and do you know who was a runner in the war? You Can can you name one runner? Uh, no. <laughs> I think you can. Who was a runner? I think you can. Think of... Give me a hint. World War II. Think of World War II. Think of World War II. Hitler? Hitler was a runner. That was his job. And he didn't die? Nope, for four years. He started from the beginning yeah. of the war right to the end. He was a runner. And he survived. He got wounded six times. He got gassed once. And he survived the war. Damn. Yeah. Shouldn't have. But, okay, this is also another kind of, like, exits, existential thing. Mm. Um, imagine he died. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, you you love alternate oh, histories, love as alternate we know. <laughs> but imagine if he died. I think... He was a runner. Like, mm-hmm. everything was pointing for him to die during the First World War. If, but he didn't. If you put a gun to my head and said, what would happen to Germany? I think Germany would have gone through its own communist revolution. That's what I think. Really? Yes. Because Why? by the time Hitler rose to power, or just before that, there were two parties that like ran most of the country, like the most popular, the communists and the fascists. Mm-hmm. Back then, it's a lot of what you see today. You're either a communist or a fascist. You are nothing. You are not mm-hmm. in between. Right? Mm-hmm. Choose your side. It was a lot worse back then. You know, there was no neutral. There was you were either a communist or a fascist. So. I think Germany would have became communist. Apparently, I read somewhere that France, France was supposed to be communist, right? Not surprising. This this timeline we're in right now is the timeline cam- communism was supposed to take over in France. It didn't. It's it's crazy how I don't I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, because the the communi- communist I, movement in France was so prevalent, but they never had their own mm-hmm. communist revolution. It just didn't happen. But the but the thing is, was it really a communist movement? Yes. Was it communist or was it just blatantly anti-monarchist? No, it was communist. It was Leninist. It was the same thing the Russians got going on over there. Now you got me curious. Why not? There has to be papers Mm. written, you know, hypothesizing on this. Mm. I'm curious now. But no, my winter project is researching about the Picts. (laughs) A bit different from... (laughs) I like how you saluted. A little bit. She saluted while I, the picks. The picks. <laughs> so what else? Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Okay, so etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, this is how the war started. What were the main battles? So basically, you know how you're saying there was technological advances. Yeah. What battles because okay, once again, taking my knowledge from Warhorse. <laughs> essentially you see the change right you see the change from horseback to tanks Mm -hmm. throughout the film um what were some main battles where you can really see those changes so like a battle on horseback a battle on in tanks Mm -hmm. a battle with guns a battle with swords well the somme the somme was interesting because it it was the first battle with tanks right that's where they ruled out the tanks Mm -hmm. What year? Uh, 1916. 1916 was the worst year. That was the year of the war. Oh, my goodness. It all happened in 1916. Yeah. Okay. So you also got... In France? In mostly? Belgium. It was. It's, it's okay. right on the border. It used to where, flip back and forth all the time. Where were the fronts? Where were the main fronts? So you got... You had one, two, three, four-ish fronts, right? You had okay. up, you had the Eastern Front, which was Russia, Austria-Hungary, and yeah, there's a lot more fronts than four. So you got Austria-Hungary, you got Germany against the Russians, right? That was brutal. The, the Germans just rolled, steamrolled them, right? So when you say the Germans and the Russians, yeah. you mean the Austro-Hungarian Austria-Hungarians and, and the German. Russian. Yeah. And the Russian border, essentially. Yes, the, there was two borders. Okay. Poland didn't exist at the time, so, so it, it was right. it was those three. 
Russia okay. managed to hold back the Austria-Hungarians, right? Mm-hmm. Germany put way too... As Russians do. The, the, yeah, the Germans put way too much trust into the Austria-Hungarians. So the Germans' heavy side moved up there and just steamrolled them. That's why... The Russians? Yeah, they, yeah. No, Germany steamrolled Russia. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, the Russians were so mm-hmm. ill-equipped for the war. They they had outdated okay. weapons. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. There were, I think I read somewhere there were some cases where the Russians were using muskets. It was so bad. But also, the, if I remember correctly, the Industrial Revolution came to Russia a little bit later. Yeah, no, they, they were still using Then it did the rest surfs. of Europe. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so mm-hmm. they had shitty weapons. They had no food. They had crappy gear, crappy leadership. There was no way. It was easy for the mm-hmm. Germans. They could just... A good example of that would be the Tudelberg Forest, if you ever get a chance to look about it. Ooh, what's Tannen- Tudelberg Forest? Tudelberg. Tannenberg. Yeah, Tannenberg. Tudelberg was Roman era. Tannenberg Forest. The first battle of the Masurian Lakes in the medieval Battle of Tannenberg. The victorious German commander, General Feldmarshal Paul von Hindenburg, uh-huh. became a national hero and was later interred at this site. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. Kind of looks like Stonehenge. Controversial opinion. Stonehenge? Did you look at the numbers at the bottom? Casualties? Mm, nope. Battle of Tannenberg. I'll read them out to you, right? Tell me. The Germans had 150,000 soldiers, while the Russians had 230,000. Mm-hmm. Okay. Germany lost 13,000 men. Russia lost 170,000. Big difference. Steamrolled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The leader, uh, Alexander Semenov, killed himself. He was so ashamed. Yeah. Sean, it wasn't his fault. Meanwhile, it wasn't Nicholas his II fault. was sitting there talking yeah. about divorce letters. It wasn't his fault. There was nothing he could no. do, but he, sh- he shot himself. Mm-hmm. So, so that was one front, and then you have... The Italian front between the Italians and the Austrians, right? The Italians mm-hmm. were originally in the Central Powers, Germans, mm-hmm. well, but Italians switched sides. And if you want, question: yeah. So the Italians during the First World War they were allied with the Entente. Yeah. Speaking of which, there's two factions: the Entente. Yes, beautiful. The Entente were the Allies, and the Central Powers were. Look at the map. Central. So you got the Ottoman Empire, the Austro-Hungarian Empire, and Germany. Those were... The Central Powers. Yes, but you have the Entente and the Central Powers? Yes. Okay. And the Entente was Russia? Yeah, Russia, Serbia. France? Yeah, Russia, France, Serbia, Belgium, France. Did I say France? England. England. I said France. Okay. Eventually Greece, eventually Portugal, Canada... India, British colonies. So literally everybody against yeah. Germany and Austria-Hungary. Yeah. Japan as well, fun fact. Japan was with? Yeah, Japan was with the Entente. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was the world okay. versus Germany, essentially. 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 Okay. And so there was the Italian front, like you were talking about. That was brutal mm-hmm. for no reason, because incompetence they were fighting in the mountains (laughs) and what they used to do just an example of how the war was fought in the mountains is they used to plant dynamite 
mm-hmm. and they used to blow it. Most casualties of the war were either falling off mountains or man-made avalanches. Yep. So. Um, also in Italy, there is a, I mean, there's the Alpine forces. Mm-hmm. So in Italian, it's the Alpini. Yeah. And um, they're basically the mountain unit. Yeah. They're the ones who are trained to fight in the mountains. Um, and during the Second World War, they were a very, very, very big part of destroying fascism, yeah. essentially. A big, big part of the resistance movement, um, which we will be talking about probably not today. <laughs> but, yeah, um, it's a very, it's a tradition in Italy. It's a tradition. Essentially. It's a it's tradition. tradition. Alpine, Alpine fighting, fighting in the mountains. Kind of, kind of it is a tradition. Today, but, you know. I mean, the, it still exists. Yeah. It's a tradition. They have little feathers in their hats. So, the Italian front, the Eastern front, the Italian front, the Serbian front, Austria-Hungary, Serbia, and Serbia was winning. Serbia was beating Austria-Hungary, so the Germans had to come down and help them with that. And then Mm -hmm. you got the Western front, which is the famous one, the trenches. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, France? Hmm? Yeah. France France and Germany? France, Belgium, Germany. The line... It's incredible. The trench line went from the coast all the way down to Switzerland. Belgium? Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. It was, a, it was just trenches all the way down. And then you had the the Japanese were taking over German islands. And then you had the Middle East with uh, Launch of Arabia. Fun fact. You know, yeah. So that was that front. And then there was the uh, Greek front. Where the Greeks joined the war and invaded Turkey. And and Turkey was with who? Central powers. Turkey was Ottoman Empire. So the Ottoman Empire was with the Central powers. Yes. Got it. So Ottoman Empire, Austro-Hungarian right. Empire. Germany. Germany. And Got it. briefly Italy. Briefly Italy? When? The, at the beginning of the war, the Italians were part of the Central powers. Oh, and then they were like, nah, that's chill. <laughs> Pretty much. That's how Italy rolls. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, basically. Famous battles. Uh, have you heard of Verdun? Nope. Battle of Verdun? You haven't ever heard of Battle of Verdun? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, Verdun is a city in France that is very sacred to the French, right? It's it's mm-hmm. a place where they used to beat the Germans all the time, right? If they failed anywhere, it's not Verdun. So, the Germans high command realized that they will defend that city to the death right so what they did was they lured the french down to verdun and there was no strategic purpose of that city right nothing it was the the battle itself was simply to kill people that was it was to kill as many french people as possible and and that's what it was and for months, it was just constant bombardment. Millions of people died at that battle. Millions of Germans and French died. And the French won in the end. So it was a complete waste of fucking time. Yeah, that was where the most brutal fighting was. It was Verdun. And then you got the Somme, where the tanks came in. And there's mm-hmm. no specific battle where everything changed. It was very gradual, right? Mm-hmm. So... But the Somme was where the tank started. Mm-hmm. The first day of the Somme was the worst day in British history. 20,000 British soldiers died, right? 
because Gen- Why? the leader, the commander, General Haig, who today is known as Haig the Butcher, right? Mm-hmm. He bombarded the Germans, and he was so confident in his ability, he ordered his soldiers to walk to the German lines. You know, I'm surprised he didn't make them dance. And so that's what they did. They walked, but the bombardment failed. They missed. So the Ger- the British were walking, getting mowed down by machine guns. It was so bad, the Germans didn't even look. The machine gunner could close their eyes, and they could just mow them down. Oh, my God. It was, even the Germans were like, what the hell is going on? And the word got back to Haig that, hey, you missed. And he says, no, I didn't. Send the next wave. And he just kept sending men because he didn't believe he failed. He just kept... Oh, my God, what a dick. Yeah, no, but funny enough, he's not the worst leader. The worst leader was Italian. Um, once again, <laughs> not surprising. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't have I don't have a good bone in my body for Haig. No. So I I I do not I newly do not either. And at the end of the Somme, they captured nothing. It was they captured a bit of land. Haig celebrated like they won the war, but you know, to give credit to Haig, he's the one that ended the war, but it took him a lot to get there. Do the ends justify okay. the means, you know? How did he do that? I can't remember. <laughs> I can't, okay. It's a lot. <laughs> you, want, you know what I want to know before that? <laughs> a spare, it's a very specific answer. You're talking tactics. And mm-hmm. tactics are kind of boring these days. And mm-hmm. so <laughs> You're just like, I just, nah. I don't talk <laughs> what I do want to know is I want to know trench life. Trench life. What do you want to know about trench life? Everything. everything. <laughs> well, like everything. Give me your favorite points about trench life. Because I, I know how much you love trench life. My favorite life. point is the German trenches. How the Germans the Germans were smart. The Germans dug in. To, they, they made a defensive line. Right? You, fun fact, Emily. I made her watch some movies. She watched 1917. Yeah. Do you remember when they jumped in the German trenches? They looked immaculate. They had yes. underground living quarters. And they had yep. stone walls. Yep. They prepared for a long haul bat like battles. Mm-hmm. They knew. Ooh, wait. Mm-hmm. Can I say something yes. real quick? Something I didn't know when I watched 1917 <laughs> was the fact that there were barbed like barbed wire everywhere. Oh, everywhere. In no man's everywhere. Land. Yeah. It was. It was a feel. It, you couldn't escape it essentially. Mm-hmm. And people, there were people's jobs to go over the trench at night. To put that barbed wire in there. Oh, man. And at first they had hammers. That's That was the tool they were given. So, tunk, tunk. Tunk, tunk. Oh, Hans, boom. I hear some. Tunk, 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 tunk. That's how it <laughs> happened, you know. Eventually, yeah. they had screws. Screwed them into the mm-hmm. ground. It took them a few years to figure that one out. But. They figured it out. Yeah. They just, it After was, they lost a few too many <laughs> men. Yeah. Do you remember that giant hole when they were crawling over the trenches and they were walking through? Yes, the actually. That was that's from tunneling. That's what tunneling causes. That's basically a collapse. That's tunnel? that's from a tunnel explosion. Oh man! That's okay. how devastating they were. Man, yeah. Oh man. So the German trenches were immaculate. They were wonderful. They were well prepared. 
the British and the French changes not so much. They dug in. Mm-hmm. They dug in to be there for a bit, you know. They thought mm-hmm. overconfidence. They thought they were going to be out of there for... So, what else do you want to know? <laughs> Just tell me, like, okay, so basically, um, how are they built? Shovels. Did people stay there for a long time? Were... Whole bunch of stuff. Whole bunch of stuff. Okay. So basically, okay, what I want to know mm-hmm. is, so you have people digging trenches, yeah. correct? Yeah. Did people die while they were digging trenches? Because presumably the Germans had their trenches built, or were they just both digging their trenches at the same time, going, "Hey, hello, <laughs> how's it going?" They were out of like, range of each other at the front. Okay. Right, and. So what you would do is you would dig down, right, the farthest way possible, and you would, from there, dig forward. And then you would dig another trench, and then dig forward, and then dig another. Uh, and you just get closer and closer to But you'd other. still be exposed. No, no, because you're digging forward. You're not going up. Oh, 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 I get it. Like a tunnel, So you're not, yeah, yeah, I got it. Okay, I didn't know that. I thought they were dug down from the top. But no, in theory, all the trenches are connected. Mm. All the lines are connected. Mm. In a way, yeah. It's it's huge system. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So. And then did people alternate in mm-hmm. the trench? Because there were there was the front Man, lines you're, and there you, were the back lines. Did you forget episode one of this podcast? No, I didn't forget. But I want you to say it again. You want me to That's s- why I'm asking you, you the question. See if I remember it. <laughs> yes. Right, so you got your because I know the answer yeah. to this. I know that people had breaks. Yes. But... I want you to say it again. Okay, well, you were only in the trench for about a week at a time, right? You had your front line trench, mm-hmm. you had your middle trench, and you had your rear trench. So the front line trench was the front. It was the most, it mm-hmm. was the worst place in the world, right? That's where all the mud was. That's where all the dead bodies were. That's where all the explosions were, right? You had your middle mm-hmm. tent where you got your food, your ammunition, you got everything. And then you got your reserve tent at the back, trench at the back, right? You chill, you relax. That's where you're, you're good, right? Mm-hmm. Happy? I am. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) And then, um, what about disease in the trenches? Trench foot, obviously. Obviously. Mm. What is trench foot? Trench foot. I know what trench foot is, but maybe not everyone knows what trench foot is. It's why you should change your socks when your socks get wet. It's because your feet start Mm -hmm. to rot and fall off. Yep. Do you know? Necrosis, yeah. Fun fact. Here's a fun fact. What was the most Mm -hmm. common type of disease during the war? Cholera. No. Wait, let me guess again. It's not trench foot. It's... Uh, wait, stop, stop, stop. Tuberculosis. No. Okay, wait, let me try again. Typh... No, it's not typhoid. No. Can't be typhoid. Not the Spanish flu. The Spanish flu? No. That was also prevalent was in the terrible. First World War. Let's not At forget. The end, yes, but it wasn't the, it wasn't the main no. disease. No, 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 it was 1918. Um, I don't know, tell me. STDs. You're... You're a man, you're 16, 17 years, 18 years old, in the trenches, right? You're on relief, right? You can go to Paris, you can chill. You might die mm, tomorrow. Prostitution. Prostitution yeah. was huge during the war. Huge. Syphilis. Syphilis. Well, STDs, STIs. I know, I know, in but general. syphilis. Yeah. Remember the pictures you sent me? Yes, fun fact. Fun Great. Yeah, it's not fun. It's really not no. fun. For those who don't know what um, a person who has severely advanced syphilis looks well, what like, you, what it used to look I like. recommend looking yeah, it up. But syphilis, or, yeah, what it used, what it to, used look to look like. like. 
what it used to look like in well someone with extremely advanced syphilis in the first world war (laughs) not fun times really not fun times i there are craters craters i tell you craters in your face so do do you know sex dolls you know blow up sex dolls you know when hitler Mm -hmm. invented sex dolls hitler invented Wait, wait. Hitler invented sex dolls? I think Hitler Hitler himself did it, or it was one Is of his Is that a conspiracy theory? No, look it up. Type in Google who, who invented, invented sex Blow up sex doll. Oh my god. <laughs> why, why were you right? <laughs> okay, so claim... Adolf Hitler was behind the invent- invention of the first inflatable sex dolls. Fact check, false. Of course it is. I hate that website. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Check your facts. Why is it false? Who did then? Apparently, they declared the Borgild project was supposedly a super secret attempt to stop the spread of syphilis by providing Nazi soldiers with inflatable sex dolls. <laughs> However, the writer also acknowledged that the Borgild project was a hoax. Sadly, the evidence in support of having actually happened is sketchy, so it probably isn't a true story. But Hitler invented the sex doll is such an awesome idea. <laughs> we should pretend it happened anyway. I mean, what's Hitler going to do about well, it now, fair, right? To be fair. This is this is from Snopes.com. Oh, I am reading. To be fair, they said probably not true. Yeah, this is true. Um, the earliest sex doll is created is credited to Dutch sailors in the 17th century who used a doll made of cloth to relieve sexual See, I tension didn't say, during long sea I didn't voyages. I did say sex dolls. I said blow-up sex dolls. Okay. Different. This is different. The blow-up. <laughs> you're going... What is this episode? Yeah, you're going way too deep into this. Uh, it's a hoax. You're embarrassing me, Olivia. Tis a hoax, tis a hoax, tis a you're hoax. You're embarrassing me. I'm sorry, but look it's a stupid. Hoax. It's okay. I look stupid all the time. We could look stupid together. <laughs> okay, so wait, where were we? Um, okay, so yeah, trench life, bluff, sex doll, not Hitler's invention, but like Hitler was a was combating in the war in the 1920s, 1920s, 1910s, 19 teens. <laughs> So, what else? Okay, so um, what have we covered? We have covered trenches. What else would we? Would oh, we fun like fact! To cover in the first fun, war. Tell fun me. Fun fact: the first shot by the Americans in the war from artillery hit a church. Oh my God! <laughs> in where? I can't remember where, but the first shot America made in the war hit a church. Oh, how ironic! And blew up the cross. Oh, how ironic. <laughs> <No>. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, We're here. Boom. <laughs> the, the, uh, you ever heard that song, uh, I can't remember, Way Back Home, Dixie? It's a Dixie, it's a, it's a Confederate battle song, right? And it's, it's so good that, but when the British, or the, when the Americans arrived in the war, the British started playing the Dixie song for the Americans arriving. It's a Confederate song. I wish I was in Dixieland. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. 
Okay, hold on. Let's play it. We're gonna play it? We're gonna play it. Are you ready? (laughs) We have an ad. That's an ad. I hope we don't get copyright claim for this one. We won't. I'll play just a few seconds. So American. <laughs> is there singing? Yes. Oh, yes, there is. <laughs> it's not nice to laugh. I'll stop laughing. But it's the Confederate, so I'm allowed. It's a good song, though. <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite catchy. It is. I have to admit. Abraham Lincoln loved it so much he played it after the Battle of Gettysburg. <laughs> of course he did. Yeah. It's it's so quintessentially American. Yeah. I am very... I'm satisfied with that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, tell me the biggest... What is your favorite thing about the First World My War? My favorite thing. Yeah. <sighs> There's so much. There's so much for me to talk about. So, but just the the most wow thing. All right, what we're gonna do is I'm gonna talk about two separate things here because I love both of them equally. Thank you. So one of them, exactly. One of them is called the Battle of Jutland, right? It is the only okay. major sea battle in the entire war, right? Remember how the Germans mm-hmm. and the British were building their ships? Yeah. What so, year? nineteen, I think sixteen as well. But okay. So. The British and the Germans had this new ship called the Dreadnought, right? Dreadnoughts put everything out of class. Everything was irrelevant to Dreadnoughts. And it was the only time they met was at Battle of Jutland because they were so precious, you know? It's like a, it's like a like, new... No, no. It's like fine china. I was going to no, say... No, no, we like, can't use this. It's like buying a thousand a thousand dollar shoes, you know? Yeah. You don't want to wear them. It costs you so much. Just like, mm, no, it's okay. So, I'm just going to put them on display. So at the Battle of Jutland, the Germans fired on the British, right? And it hit their front, one of their ships, right? It blew up. And then another one blew up. And then another one blew up. And the Admiral at the time says, there appears to be a problem with our ships today. <laughs> they just kept blowing. <laughs> and then oh the British God. fired back at them. And, and then they thought, okay, let's not do this. And they went home. And there was no tactics. At the, there was no tactics at the time either. They were using old sail ship tactics because there were a battle like this had never happened before. So, you know, it kind of blows my mind that the entire world came on board for something that was probably very local. <laughs> Pretty much, it's like American elections. You know, it's a very Literally. It's a, yeah. But it's as if like. Consider this, okay? It's as if there was some shit going down between the state of California and British Columbia, mm. and then the entire world gets involved. Well, not even just that. It was all because one man was shot. Yes. When but you really I, think about it. Right. When you really it think about it. It is all because it. one man was shot. Yes, this is true. But that being said, I think that, you know, sure, yeah, the entire war 
was 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 catalyzed by this this assassination yeah. but there was a lot of shit going down underneath the surface oh, yes. already with serbian nationalism as we saw and with you know just conflict between austria-hungary and serbia mm-hmm. so i think regardless there was conflict happening but just you know it the the assassination destabilized the when entire you really situation. think about it gabriel princip is the most successful assassin in history and it, he did it yeah. and it was a fluke you know yeah he wasn't even he didn't even do it he properly. caused a lot yeah. of things he, to happen he died during the war in prison right he, he lived long enough to see to know what was happening but he mm-hmm. died of infection because the prison was so terrible how anticlimactic yeah, he didn't he didn't live to see the end of the war unfortunately it's like <laughs> okay so this is completely <laughs> off topic but it made me think of this uh, so the original Buddha, yeah, like the Buddha, okay. He lived until he was eighty years old. You know what he died of? What? Food poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> right? How anticlimactic! <laughs> it's like this great and powerful man who essentially catalyzed an entire religion. Oop! Died of food poisoning. Yeah, and uh. Can you, like, Japan is invading islands. Japan is invading German islands because some kid shot some guy in some town somewhere. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's literally it. I mean, it is the heir of the throne, yeah. but yeah, it's 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 insane. And the entire world gets involved because of it. And, you know, it's actually interesting when you mentioned that Britain got involved just because they were concerned that Germany had ships. Yeah that can in, then go on to invade Britain. That's one key. I mean, Canada only got involved because they were supporting England. Yeah, because they were dragged into it. They had to. Exactly. They had to. So Canada was involved because of that. Mm. And then the rest of Europe was just like panicking because there was a war going on. Mm. So it's just everybody was kind of just taken by panic. And that's why the war was happening mm. in the end, to a certain extent. Do you know why America joined the war? Why did Mary? Oh no, that's that's the Second World War. Second World War is Pearl Harbor, yes. right? Yeah, no, I don't know why they joined in the First World War. Well, there were a few reasons. Uh, the Lusitania got sunk. Okay. Yeah, remember past episodes, Lusitania, mm-hmm. Cunard. Mm-hmm. So, Lusitania got sunk. That's not the main cause, but on board Lusitania was the passenger ship that got sunk, right? And the Germans claimed mm-hmm. that the Americans were smuggling weapons on it, right? And they were like, no, we weren't. They, they were. They found out years later. <laughs> yeah, we explored okay. We explored the ship and found weapons. So, Yeah. And But the main thing was called the Zimmermann telegram. Where okay. The Germans sent a telegram to Mexico telling Mexico that if you are willing, we will help you invade America. Right? But the British managed to intercept the telegram and show it to the United States, where the Americans then entered the war. Mm, Because they were like, we are now at risk. But at the same time, I I looked this up a couple of weeks ago. Why would the Americans just go accept what the British showed them? You know, but I, Mm -hmm. you know, like, here, look, they were going to invade. Come join the war. Like, no. Mm. But actually, (laughs) the Germans... (laughs) 
the Americans were like, so did you send this? And they're like, sorry, yeah, we did. They admitted it. (laughs) They should have just denied the whole thing. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is why I feel like the First World War was just a dumpster fire. It was a dumpster fire. And the weird no one knew what they were doing. Everyone was just shooting guns that they've never heard of before, yeah. using equipment that they've never used before, tactics that digging were, tunnels, yeah, tactics, tactics that, were that were just outdated, but also completely unstrategic. Yeah. Like for example, like you were mentioning with with Verdun, completely unstrategic. Nothing, but there in was the end, it was kind of just like Verdun, except morale. No, it was just we're fighting. Yeah. No, it so was, we're to, just it was to break French morale by capturing our sacred city. That's it. Yeah. Exactly. And in the end, okay, sure, whatever. But it sounds like it wasn't very strategically no, thought out. No, it wasn't. It was off to the side somewhere. Exactly. So it was kind of yeah, it was kind of like a dumpster fire. I th- it's like it's like the entirety of Europe just felt like fighting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, no, that's very controversial yeah. no, opinion. That's but yeah. yeah, that's basically it. Is they they wanted a war? A war was coming. Because everybody mm-hmm. was getting bored. It's like today. Everybody thinks the war is coming today. We don't know where it's going to come from. But but at the same time, you get this weird sense that people seem excited about it. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it's always the people who say that... The people who are most excited are the ones that don't have to fight in the war. You know? Oh, I didn't even tell you the other thing. Tell me. So, I talked about the ships, right? And now let's mm-hmm. talk about airplanes. Ooh, Ooh airplanes. Yeah, so... Tell me. What were airplanes... You know, airplanes were just over a decade old at this time, right? So what were airplanes used for at the beginning of the war? The first two years? Messages. No. Transportation. No, spying. Sort of. Reconnaissance. Oh, okay. You know, you fly up, you look over the edge, and you go, all right, so there's the trench, and there's, there's right. the factory. And then, that's what I meant by spying. Yeah, then they took cameras up and they started taking pictures. and then mm-hmm. So that's where battle plans came from. And mm-hmm. and then event, I think the first combat, air combat, was between two planes. You know, plane, and they just, I think, threw things at each other. I think they had pistols and they just started shooting at each other. Okay. Yeah, and that's how, that's how air combat started. And then so the Germans started building fighter planes and the American or the British and French started building fighter planes and then it was around 1916 is when fighter like fighter planes started it didn't start immediately it took two years for it to happen right and I'll give you five bucks if you know who Manfred von Richthofen is (gasps) the Red Baron yeah shit so (laughs) so Manfred von Richthofen actually started mm-hmm. off as a cavalryman. He was a lancer and then ended up in the trenches and he thought, oh, screw this, and he became a pilot and turned out to be the best pilot in the world at the time, right? There you go. So, um, it do you know how many kills you need to become an ace? 16. No. 21. No. I don't know how many. Five. You need five kills to become an ace. Interesting. Okay. Manfred von Richthofen had 80 mm-hmm. kills. Damn. He was an ace times mm-hmm. lot. And newspapers, what they would do is they used to have competitions, right? You open up your newspaper in the morning and they have a list of pilot names on the side and what country mm-hmm. they belong to. 
and who was the top ace of the time, you know, then you got Rick Thoburn, you got all the way down to the number of kills mm-hmm. they got. And then they would have like a scratch out in their name if they died. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh my god. Rick Tofen survived right before the end of the war he died. He was being chased by a Canadian pilot. And I think it was Roy Brown. He was being chased by a Canadian ace called Roy Brown. And we don't know what happened because Reichtofen did something he was he always told his students never to do was fly low to the ground and fly straight. And then he flew over an Australian gunner and the gunner mm-hmm. was shooting up and they got the Canadian shooting behind him and then Roy Brown took the kit. And then boom. boom. yeah. So the Canadian Roy Brown took the credit but modern thought goes, okay, well, we think it was the Australian mm-hmm. because he was shot upwards. Yeah. So that's how Rick Tofen died. 80 kills. He had two kills... I think that day before, or that day, the last two kills. He, he was a natural. He just went up there and like, let's just do this. Do you know why he painted his plane red? No. It's so his enemy can see him. It's to a tr- And they could fear him. Not just that. It's so they could come after him, so he could counter them and go after them. It's so mm-hmm. he could outmaneuver them. That's confidence. Yeah, his, his core was called the Flying Circus. Because all the planes in his regiment or squadron were painted colors, like rainbow colors and stuff. And they called themselves the Flying Circus. The Flying Circus. Oh my god. Yeah. Literally the Flying Circus. Yeah. I say squadron. They called Jasta. They called them the Jastas. But mm-hmm. Jasta 9. Wow. Yeah. Good for him. But also that that's not good. Heard of, <laughs> I shouldn't say good for him. You ever heard of Herman Goering? Nope. Herman <laughs> just no. I have not no nope. Herman Goring was the Grand General of the German Luftwaffe during the Second World War of mm-hmm. the German Air Force. Essentially. He was in charge of the German Air Force. You said that as if it was like common knowledge. The German Luftwaffe. The Luftwaffe. Yeah. So the German Air Force mm-hmm. was under the command of him. And he was in Jasta. The Flying Circus. And he fought alongside the Red Baron. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you know you have solid people. Yeah, he only accepted the best. He had... He had the greatest honor in Germany. He had everything. But... I feel like that's why the Air Force gets so much credit. Yeah. So much praise. Everyone sees it as, like, the hardest job in the Army. It's funny how he was called the Red Baron. He was... Mm-hmm. He was sort of royalty he was like um you know downton abbey yeah yeah he was like he was one of them an aristocrat that's what Mm -hmm. the von in his name is von is exactly is aristocratic manfred of richtofen of the family richtofen yeah Mm. so i don't know what the downton abbey names are but (laughs) not that no what's their last name but yes i don't even know i don't remember uh, your mom is watching it now. She just finished it, actually. She finished the movie as well. There's a movie? You didn't know there was a movie. No. There's a, a Downton Abbey movie. 
What in the heck? Why didn't I watch the Downton Abbey movie? It came out like last year, and apparently it's amazing. Okay, well, that's why. I finished watching Downton Abbey like three years ago. Oh, well, guess what? There's a movie. You know what their last name is? What? Crawley. Crawley? Mm Mm-hmm. So, it'd be like Manfred Ron Crawley, you know, something like that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got it. Good job. Thank you, thank you. So there was one question wait, you asked me the other yeah. day. Uh-huh. Do you remember the original name of the House of Windsor? <gasps> okay. Um, this is actually something that I stumbled upon today. Did you cheat? But n- No. Okay. I actually stumbled upon it because I was... <laughs> you know what I did? I went down the ancestry of um, Queen Elizabeth, essentially. Yeah. Because at one point in The Crown the crown aka the best show in the world right now um yeah so at one point in the crown queen elizabeth says to prince charles you know queen mary ended up with the man that she didn't want because her actual love of her life the charming man died and i was like huh what and so i look back and apparently uh george v had a brother Mm -hmm. albert victor and Albert Victor died at the age of 28, and he was engaged to Mary of Tech. And Mary of Tech um, and Albert Victor were supposed to be married, mm-hmm. and obviously Albert Victor was the heir to the throne. But then when he died, they basically took Mary Tech, and they got her to marry George V. And then George became the king. Okay. George V? Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, do you remember the original name? I do not. <laughs> Se- sexy Coburg and Gotha. There you go. So, for all those who don't know, the House of Windsor, Queen Elizabeth, that's her house, House of Windsor. Right? It was originally called Saxy Coburg and Gotha. It was changed during the First World War. Do you know why? Why? It's a German name. So what does this whole German name come from? The German name? You, mm-hmm. It doesn't go that far back. It goes. It goes back to Victoria. Because Victoria, I'm pretty sure Albert, I'm pretty sure, I'm, I could be wrong, but it's not that far back. Al, there was a German who moved, who married into the family called, with the family name, Hatsiburg and Koba, and they had kids, and then I'm pretty sure it was, it was oh. Albert. Okay. It might have been Albert. Yeah. Like, like, for example, back in William Wallace's time, you had uh, the Plantagenets, right? You had Edward... The first, the mm-hmm. second, the third, and then you got the Tudors, right? And then you got the mm-hmm. Stuarts from Scotland, and then you had the House of Orange. They were Dutch. I am incorrect. I figured it out. And then you got George the <laughs> First. George the First. So what happened was William died. Uh, no, Anne, Queen Anne died, and the first died, or just Anne. And there was no heir to the throne, so they had to turn far back as far as they could. And then they took him all the way to a small duchy in Germany. And they plucked this guy out of nowhere and said, by the way, you're king. He's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) He couldn't speak English. He'd never been England. And then suddenly he was proclaimed George I. And he was German. So. And that's where the name comes from? Maybe, but that's where the German origin comes from. Okay. I'm going to Google Saxy. I'm going to do it. My turn to Google Saxy. Okay. <laughs> Our podcast has now become, let us Google things for yeah, you. It's, it's whatever. Okay. So 
the House of Hanover was what the yes. original name was all the way until 1901, until House of Saxony Burton Until Edward. Yes, essentially. So. So who who was who was Al- Saxonburg? I'm pretty sure it was Albert. Okay. Yeah, the founder was George. It's kind of like the founder was George the V. Win- the what? George V was the founder. Of Saxonburg Coburg. Yeah, Gotha. Saxonburg and Gotha. S A X E dash Coburg C O B U R G and Gotha. G-O-T-A. Mm, Saxy. D-H-A. Coburg. And Gotha. Mm-hmm. Good job. Interesting. Good job. Thank you, thank you. That's deep. That's some deep, deep stuff right there. That's, that's... That is some deep, deep stuff. Remember, that is way tangent Remember we deep, were talking about World War One? Uh, yeah. You should put a disclaimer at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> disclaimer. This is kind of just a talking episode. And you asked me a question, how did World War One end? Yes. I'll tell you next episode. Because it directly it, di- it directly connects to the Second World War, how the Second World War started. Okay, I approve. So remind me. Fabulous. I shall. Alrighty. Thank you everybody for listening to us ramble for ever. An hour and thirty five minutes. An incoherent <laughs> mess of rambling. But that is okay. Yeah, I hope did. you learned something. <laughs> and if you didn't learn anything, at least you learned the way we talk about history with each other. Yeah, I know. It's kind of sad, really. How is it really sad? I don't know. I, I say that all the time. It's absolutely wonderful. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. You should all be jealous. Exactly. Alrighty. Okay. See okay, you bye. next time. Bye. Goodbye.